I'm Alexander Riegas, assistant editor of the Tico Times, and welcome to the Tico Times Dispatch. It's a new month, and that means we'll bring you up to speed on Costa Rica's biggest stories. The news this month will have a lasting effect in Costa Rica and Latin America. A global Me Too movement came to Costa Rica. Venezuela's Nicolás Maduro faces the biggest challenge to his power yet, and the Catholic Church in Costa Rica is facing a sexual abuse and cover-up scandal. On February 4th, Dr. Alexandra Arce, a psychiatrist and nuclear disarmament activist, filed a criminal complaint accusing Oscar Arias of sexual assault. The news broke the following day and set off a firestorm that the country is still grappling with. Arias, a two-time Costa Rican president and Nobel Peace Prize winner, categorically denied the charges. But as the week went on, several other women came forward with stories accusing the statesman of sexual misconduct or assault. Here to help us understand that story is Tigo Times reporter Alejandro Zuniga. Alejandro, what happened the days after that news broke on Tuesday? Well, Alex, a lot has happened. After that initial criminal complaint was filed, several other people have come forward with their own stories, including another criminal complaint. The one that hits closest to home for the Tico Times is Emma Daly's story. Emma Daly was a reporter with the Tico Times back in 1990 when she says that Arias groped her in a hotel lobby, and we spoke with Daly, who says that Arias's alleged behavior was no secret even back in the 1990s. But at the time, she says she didn't know who she could report it to or what would be done about it. We also spoke with Derry Dyer, who was the Tico Times' former publisher and editor, to understand better what the culture was at the time. Dyer told us that at the time, nobody would have thought to question Arias's behavior. Dyer told us that all they did was to keep spreading the word among colleagues so that women would be on their guard when they were with him. And you spoke to Emma Daly too, right? That is correct. We spoke with her um, on the phone after she initially reported her allegations to the Washington Post. And how did that make you feel speaking to a former Tico Times reporter now that you're a current one? Well, the Tico Times has a lot of history and the Tico Times has... Uh, undergone significant change uh, since Daly was a reporter here. Uh, it is humbling to know of the Tico Times history, and uh, it's humbling to know of, of the important role that journalists play back in the 1990s uh, and their relevance over the past decades and into the future. Mm -hmm. And now you are following the story and you're reporting on the Me Too movement. So how has that changed since the story broke? Absolutely. Um, Arias is unquestionably a very powerful figure in Costa Rica. Uh, and even when we spoke to Emma Daly, she said that she understands the difficulty of squaring these allegations with the unquestionably very good things that Arias has done as a politician and as a figure for Costa Rica and the region. For the most part, I'd say that there's been support for the women who have come forward. Um, there have been some questions as to as to why some of them waited so long. Uh, and to our listeners who have those questions, I highly recommend going to the Tico Times, where one of our writers, Kaylee Chesson, wrote a fantastic story summarizing why so many women came forward now. Uh, but since the allegations came out, there have been protests on the street against Arias, and his reputation has undeniably been tarnished both here uh, and internationally. Uh, but it's almost unquestionable that the stories have had an immediate impact on what's become a Me Too movement in Costa Rica. Uh, for example, 
Also this month, Costa Rica's Deputy Minister of Economy, Industry, and Trade, Laura Pacheco, also filed a criminal complaint for sexual assault against Julio Solis, who was the Director of Promotion of Peace and Citizen Coexistence, and Solis resigned almost immediately. And I also understand that Arias has stepped away from his political party, Liberación Nacional, uh, and he also went to the Fiscalía as well as Dr. Alexandra Arce. Uh, what did they say when they appeared at the Fiscalía? Yeah, we're, we're in a bit of a wait-and-see mode uh, to see what's going to come of the two criminal complaints. Uh, February 13th was the first time that Arias appeared publicly after the allegations first came forward. Siempre he contestado preguntas sobre cualquier tema. Y hemos tenido una relación muy cordial siempre los periodistas con, conmigo, pero en esta oportunidad eh, mi abogado defensor me ha pedido que, que lo más conveniente en vista de que están los dos casos eh, en la fiscalía, que no me refiera a, a ellos. Así es que les pido que, que tengan esa conferencia. That was when he was visiting the office of the deputy prosecutor for gender to respond to those criminal complaints. When he first spoke to reporters after that, he declined to comment on the specific allegations on the recommendations of his lawyer. Uh, but Dr. Arce has been a lot more public in speaking to reporters. Uh, and when she was at the prosecutor's office recently, she, w she spent some time thanking the other women who have come forward and thanking people who have supported her. She said that when she first came forward, she felt like she would be very alone, and that since she's come forward, it's very clear that she's not. We're going to be following up with this story a lot over the coming month and months, to stay up to date, check us out on TicoTimes.net. The crisis in Venezuela took a sharp turn. On January 23rd, the head of Venezuela's National Assembly, Juan Guaidó, took a public oath to serve as interim president of Venezuela. Asumir formalmente las competencias del Ejecutivo Nacional con el presidente encargado de Venezuela. Guaidó claimed Nicolás Maduro's election was illegitimate, and the Venezuelan Constitution allows the head of the National Assembly to take a presidential oath if there's a vacuum of power. This is something Guaidó and many Venezuelans thought was the case. Alejandro, how did the international community react after Guaidó's declaration? Well, the United States almost immediately recognized Guaidó as Venezuela's president, escalating tensions in the region and also leading to a week where a number of other countries essentially took sides on who supported whom. How did Costa Rica react? Yeah, right now there's about 50 countries, including Costa Rica, that support Guaidó, while a handful with Russia and China being the biggest players, still recognizing Maduro. Costa Rica is a country that has received thousands of Venezuelan immigrants, so they definitely have a stake in this. 
and they've asked Maduro's diplomats to leave the country while recognizing Guaido's. There was some drama at the Venezuelan embassy too, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Uh, so there were several uh, Maduro diplomats who still had credentials in Costa Rica. The government of Costa Rica gave them 60 days to leave the country and to turn in their credentials. At the same time, Guaido appointed a new ambassador to Costa Rica who came to the country and essentially took control of the embassy by herself. Keep in mind that the embassy is technically property of Venezuela, so Costa Rica has no authority inside of it. After Maria Faria, that Venezuelan ambassador appointed by Guaido, took control of the embassy, she met with diplomats from Costa Rica and the Costa Rican government, who politely asked her to turn back over the keys and to wait for Maduro's diplomats to, to give them the full 60 days before she took command. And she agreed to do that. Okay. And Costa Rica also took part in the Lima Group. What's the Lima Group and what's been happening with them? Yeah, some basics over the Lima Group. The Lima Group was founded back in 2017 uh, to respond to the escalating crisis in Venezuela. Uh, and it was hoping to establish a peaceful end to that crisis. It, it includes 14 countries, the majority in Latin America, including Costa Rica. Uh, and it has for months maintained that the elections uh, that re-elected Maduro were illegitimate. The initial tenet of the Lima Group was to end the Venezuelan crisis through peaceful means. More recently, Costa Rica has taken a bit of a step back uh, because they are alarmed that both Guaido and the United States uh, have said that they will consider any means necessary of removing Maduro, which could include a military intervention. Costa Rica has said that it still supports Guaido, and it will send its foreign minister to the next Lima Group meetings, but it will only consider options where democracy and diplomacy are the first steps in that roadmap. But it didn't sign the latest Lima Group decision. That is correct. And why not? Uh, it, that was because Costa Rica was was alarmed uh, that that the Lima Group would accept a non-peaceful resolution to the Venezuelan crisis. And the United States sent a lot of food aid to Venezuela recently. That's caused tensions on the border. Why? Yeah, uh, the food aid is a really interesting topic. So Maduro's government currently is blocking humanitarian aid that the country desperately needs. The Lima Group was initially founded because Venezuela is dealing with a crisis over inflation and a shortage of basic goods. Recently, at least three people were killed, though, when the United States tried sending in aid and Maduro's government, which includes a lot of military support, tried to block it, which has resulted in sanctions on Maduro and his government. Now, the aid is necessary, and it is necessary to keep people alive, uh, but it can also be seen as a political tool because for the United States, which is sending a lot of that aid, it's an attempt to prompt military defections, which could then help Guaido gain power. Costa Rica is a country that has been at the center of international involvement in this crisis, and we at the Tico Times have been covering it for several months, and will continue doing so. So keep up to date at ticotimes.net. In mid-February, Semanario Universidad broke the story that José Rafael Quiroz, the Catholic Archbishop of San José, received complaints about a priest, Mauricio Víquez, abusing altar boys. 
the archbishop said he hadn't addressed the complaints claiming se me pasó el asunto, or that the issue had just passed him by. Vicas has since fled the country, and the alleged victims have spoken out about the abuse. Here to talk about the story is Catherine Stanley, managing editor of the Tico Times. Catherine, church abuse scandals have been in the news for decades, but this is the first major abuse scandal involving the Catholic Church in Costa Rica since then, right? I think that's fair to say. As we mentioned in the stories we published this week, the allegations against Vicas have been in the works for many years. He was actually first suspended from parochial duties in 2003. But uh, this is by far the biggest story to date related to this topic in Costa Rica, in part because it's been heightened by what's going on internationally and what's happening at the papal level when it comes to addressing sexual abuse and allegations of abuse within the church. Uh, so what has been happening on the international level? So as you said, this is an issue that's been in the news in different countries around the world for many years. Uh, but Pope Francis has recently heightened the the level of prominence um, in, at least in terms of the attention this is receiving within the church. He addressed this issue directly when he was in Panama recently for World Youth Day. And just days ago, he held the first uh, papal summit on uh, the topic of sexual abuse uh, to look at how this can be prevented in the future. Okay. And to bring it back to Costa Rica a bit, uh, Catholicism is actually in Costa Rica's constitution as the official state religion. It's the only country to do so in Latin America. So what does this scandal mean for the Catholic Church in Costa Rica? That remains to be seen, but it could have huge implications. A number of studies have shown that the percentage of practicing Catholics is on the decline in Costa Rica. And even though the church unquestionably remains an important part of the social fabric of the country, the rise of evangelical churches has also chipped away at the dominance of the Catholic Church. And what's happened to the priest, Vicus, since the news broke? So the Vatican permanently expelled Vicus from the clergy on Monday, right on the heels of that international meeting that Pope Francis convened. Um, and Vicas is currently a fugitive from justice because Costa Rica has an international warrant out on him, and he's believed to be in Mexico. And how has the Catholic Church in Costa Rica responded to all of this? So, so far, one of the church's only official statements has been to confirm that Vicas was separated from parochial duties in 2003 after the initial allegations and suspended last July. But there's so much we don't yet know, and there's more coming out every day about the church's internal handling of these cases and the role of Archbishop Quiroz in that process. I think that the fact that the Vatican has taken such high-profile action in this case has and will continue to change the dynamics in the always complicated work of covering the Catholic Church as journalists. And so what effect do you think this will have? As I said before, I think this comes at a very interesting moment in the history of religion in Costa Rica, because we have many devout Catholics, that's without any doubt, a growing number of evangelical Christians, as the uh, most recent presidential election made very clear, and a movement to make Costa Rica a secular state or Estado laico. So we'll be continuing to watch this closely and see how Catholic leaders, but also the general public, react as this story develops further. That's it for this month's News Roundup on the Tico Times Dispatch. We'll be bringing you insight on Costa Rica's biggest stories at the beginning of each and every month on this podcast. 
This podcast was made possible by listeners like you and the Tico Times 5% Club. The 5% Club is a group of dedicated readers who donate at least $5 a month to the Tigo Times to keep our newsroom independent and operational. They also get access to a bunch of cool things like bonus content. For this episode, we have a special segment on how the Tico Times broke the story of Marta Raga Marroni, Anarias' accuser. So subscribe to the Tigo Times on Patreon and unlock that track today. This podcast was produced by Alejandro Suniga and me. It was recorded, edited, and put together by Ignacio Tristan, with music by Jordan Block. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay up to date at ticotimes.net.